When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Special emergency edition, I guess special shorthanded version of the Rutgers Rant podcast. As I said, I'm James Cratch. I'm here with my partner on the Rutgers beat, Keith Sargent. Steve Politi is on vacation, so, but, well, what else Sarge, is new? What else is new? Right? Well, yeah, what I mean, else is new? I mean, he, he lives the life of Politi out there. I mean, I, um, think he, I think he might be in Spain with the basketball team. I think that might be, you know, although... I think I don't think he's actually doing any work. I think he might might have just taken a, a free trip on the company's dime and said that he was going to cover the team, but we haven't seen any coverage, so who knows? Well, you know, actually, I I think Steve is is actually playing power forward for the teams Rutgers is playing. <laughs> that makes sense. Spain. That, that yes. makes perfect sense. You know, yep. I believe Steve's playing power forward. They've got like a five point six, uh, yeah, five foot six shooting guard. Um, yeah, it seems like Rutgers they're they're rolling over people in Spain, and I, I'm always wondering. Are they playing different teams, or is it just like the same six guys kind of follow them on the bus and put on a different color T-shirt? <laughs> so, uh, just want to get that in every course, Rutgers in Spain, but football is the focus right now. And Sarge, the reason why we kind of – I think we were going to wait until Politi got back. because we're stronger together as a three-man team, but felt we had to get on the podcast today because Tuesday, first practice, the media was allowed to – in after the open scrimmage on Saturday for Fan Appreciation Day – and we saw a little bit of movement, a little change, a big change at the quarterback position. So, yeah, let's just put the reader uh, where we were because they don't really have the uh, – or the listener uh, where we were because they don't really have the access that we have. And so, you know, we've both been covering a lot of football practices for a long time. And generally speaking, and I'm not trying to complain about my job. I love my job. And I do get that while I'm covering practice for those two hours or during, during the day, the majority of the, our listeners and, and, and the Rutgers fan base will, will trade uh, positions in a heartbeat, not complaining whatsoever. But let's face it, a lot of these practices, they're like gym class. It's like watching mm-hmm. gym class for, for, for two hours. Rarely is there a day where you see anything that really is, is that noticeable. That is until today, which a couple days after, uh, after the scrimmage, a scrimmage in which there was a lot of news that came up, namely – you know, was this the day where McLean Carter had his breakthrough moment? Um, I don't think there's anyone who uh, witnessed that scrimmage who didn't think that McLean Carter um, outplayed uh, Sikowski, uh, our Sikowski uh, during that scrimmage. Granted, it was with the second team, you know, against the second team defense. But that being said, how would he respond on Tuesday? This was the first 
open availability for, for, for us to actually watch what was going on. Um, I actually give credit, um, and this sounds is going to sound a little weird because we only do get an hour of open availability, and a lot of times we don't see anything. We don't even see a meaningful pass. But in this instance, we saw four 11-on-11 series, which is basically the equivalent of live practice. We saw four of them. Two first team, two second team. And the news of the day, folks, was McLean Carter ran with the first team. Uh, both uh, Cratch and I both both said, coming out of Saturday, Saturday's scrimmage, you know, before this is a, a bona fide quarterback competition, McLean Carter has to run with the ones. He has to run the uh, first team offense. There's no way he could be named the, the starting quarterback come August 30th without getting some sort of feel. And by a feel, we're probably talking about two weeks of, of practice running with the first team offense. There's no way you could just all of a sudden expect him to uh, to to uh, all of a sudden lead the first team offense without ever doing it. So until today, this was the first time we got a chance to see it, and he did great. You know, granted, it was only one series that we saw, but he led the team down for a touchdown. He completed a long pass. It was it was eye popping. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it was it was something that I, I kind of expected going in. Um, I think it's something that the fan base is like is over the moon about. Um, I don't think it's over yet. Like I still think that not at all. The bottom line is that I we we're not at every practice, but our understanding is that McLean Carter hadn't worked with the ones much, if at all, prior to that scrimmage. So I still think that's a signal. Like the fact that Art Sikowski was was working exclusively with the first team for the first half of training camp is they I think they've had like what twelve practices and I think they're gonna have twenty four basically. Like that goes to show you that okay, like McLean Carter was clearly the backup, the number two guy on the depth chart for for most of this camp, and and now he's getting work. But again, like we weren't in there the whole time, so. I don't think, you know, was it a straight 50-50 split? Was it, I, I would assume it was probably more art. So I think that it's early, but this at least is a sign that he's in the mix. I think yeah. before today, it was kind of hopes and dreams of fans who are frustrated by 1-11 and want to see a change, and they were excited by what they saw on Saturday at the scrimmage or heard about. Now yeah. it's a little bit real. Uh, one thing, I mean, it, you hit the nail on the head, and we'll we'll talk about like the chances of each quarterback, whether our percentages have changed, uh, you know, in a minute. But let's just uh, also put in context: Art Sikowski was the first quarterback out. Like I said, there were two first team series and two second team series. So uh, Art came out with the uh, with the uh, offense first um, during the individual uh, periods. He was the quarterback that that started every drill. Um, I still think, um, you know, certainly art, if anything, it's a 50, 50 split, probably, um, that being said, and, uh, you know, what do you think at this point, if I know I went into, in, into, into, you know, training camp, maybe even after the first week thinking that it was probably an 85% chance that I was going to be Sikowski as a starter. Uh, where are you at right now, James? Uh, I'm, I mean, if, if McLean Carter keeps on getting opportunities and looking at the way he did on Saturday and then today and Tuesday, I, I would kind of lean toward him. I, I still, I still would, I think, how about 50, 53, 47, 52, 48, 52, yeah, 48 art. I was going to go 55, 45 art. 
because I still think. Okay. And here's the thing. Okay, this was he was uh, talking about a different player. Um, if you remember on Saturday, um, we we watched Manny Taylor uh, move <laughs> in for for Nick Freeman at right guard uh, for for pretty much the, the second half of that scrimmage, and we pressed Chris Ash about it, and he said, and he totally uh, threw cold water on it. He said, "No, Nick Freeman has been our our, our number one right guard all spring practice." Um, and then all of fall camp, um, he's our number one, you know, case closed. Stop asking about that question. So for whatever reason, Manny Taylor went in, didn't appear to be an injury, but whatever reason that he came in, Chris Ash uh, uh, poured cold water on it. My point is, Arsikowski, you know, since the end of last season, through 15 tra- uh, spring practices, through the first two weeks of, of, of camp, has been the number one guy. I do not think... That based on you know a, you know a, a solid uh, first scrimmage and then whatever he did today and then you know even whatever he does the rest of the week that they're just going to give up on Arsikowski. They've invested a ton in him. He obviously knows the playbook very well. There's a lot of talent there. I do not think for 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 one second that they're going to just give up on him. That being said, I do think that this might be the first inkling that they are open to a quarterback change and, and starting McLean Carter, because and here's the thing. I do not want to make too much out of one first team series that we saw, but the offense moved. I mean, there was just a, uh, you know, at least from my perspective, watching it. And again, there's some, someone who's watched, watched a lot of practices over the, over the years. They just seemed to be a bounce in the step. Did, did you see the same thing, James? I did. I mean, look, I, there's, there's no denying like McLean Carter is more mobile than art. And that's going to be, a benefit for him because, you know, the offensive line's bad. Like, I'm just going to – I mean, you saw the scrimmage. Fans who were there saw the scrimmage. They were they were horrible on Saturday. And that was the, one of the, the second most telling thing for me, besides, obviously, McLean Carter taking first-team reps, is that the same starting five was out there. I will say like, this. There's no – I will say this, and you're, you're right about that, but I did press Chris Ash about that in Chicago back at Big Ten Media Day. And he did say that Arsikowski has a lot more mobility than people know. Um, this was a direct quote. I agree with that. And and he and he basically said um, that the reason why you didn't see it as much is they weren't all that confident in their number two options. And that's no sh- uh, you know uh, slight against Gio Rusino, but I just don't think they. I think they you know, they they felt all along that Arsikowski was the the better of the two, and they didn't want to get Art hurt. You know. You know, in a, in a in a needless situation. Now, with the way the offense is going to be run, I think that if if it is indeed Art, that I think we could see Sikowski run the ball a little bit more this season. No, but I guess my point was just the the protection's going to break down a lot this season. Uh, I just I, I look at that offensive line. I, I I was not impressed in the spring when when the, and you know. The coaching staff was talking it up. I, I've not been impressed in the summer. I thought it was very poor during the scrimmage. And I look at the depth there, like they don't really have anywhere to go in some of those positions. Yeah, I don't want to make McLean yeah. Carter out to be a, you know, a, to be a. No, he's not. He's not goal. Mike Vick. Like he's no. not going to run for a thousand yards. And he was in he, an offense at Texas kinda, Tech. He was yeah. in an offense at Texas Tech that that uh, you know was that type of gun run where quarterbacks, but generally speaking, but he didn't do that. Uh, even at his junior college stop, you know, he didn't have uh, gaudy rushing numbers. So I don't perceive him. We haven't seen him all that much of him. But from what I have seen of, of him, I think he's more of a pocket quarterback like Sikowski. 
Correct. And I will say another thing, too. Like, fans keep on bringing up, oh, he was a Texas Tech, Texas Tech. Those offenses, I would venture to guess, you know, based on what you hear from guys when they – or those offenses when they translate to the NFL, they're not necessarily as kind of complex and complicated as a John McNulty scheme is going to be. So I think that's another thing that you really can't measure, and, and we'll have to ask Chris Ash about this on Thursday. He didn't speak to the media after practice Tuesday, but – you know, where does he kind of stand in, in the in the whole understanding, the whole galaxy of the playbook? I think that's some a factor. You know, we know Art knows the playbook front to back, back to front. Yep. You know, does McLean Carter comprehend the entire playbook? Because that also could be a factor. You know, we're not in the huddle. Like, what plays are they calling? You know, when he's in there as opposed to Art. You know, what concepts are they working? So. I think that's another thing, too, is how much does he kind of grasp the entire thing? Well, I think they're both going to play against UMass. Um, we'll see who starts, but I think they're both going to play. And I, I thought someone said, hey, they might need both this entire season because that offensive line is a major liability. And, you know, knock on wood, but Rutgers last year was remarkably healthy at running back. I think Hillman played 11 games. Everyone else played 12. And they were remarkably lucky at, health-wise at quarterback. Art had a couple of injury scares. But he always was ready for the next game. Yeah, you know, how many? How often does that happen to a team two years in a row when they don't have a great offensive line? I think what what, what we know at this point, what we've seen, and, what, and just talking to John McNulty the way we have, he does not want. He does not think that. I think he's confident enough in the running backs. Um, I think in his perfect world, he'd be running the ball cl- close to sixty percent of the time. Now it has to be effective, right? And you need to keep uh, defenses honest with with a you know. Uh, some sort of uh, passing attack. Otherwise, they're going to be stacking the box, you know, kind of like they did did a year ago. So they have to be effective at, at passing the ball. But in his ideal world, I think he's going to look for a game manager, uh, you know, the type of guy who's not going to beat you, uh, maybe make a play or two. But I think they're going to play ball control. And, you know, now it, I think a lot of fans will, will laugh at what, you know, what, what I'm about to say, because you look at Sikowski, 18 interceptions. But that being said, uh, we haven't seen a whole rash of interceptions at, you know, at this point from the limited uh, amount of times that we do see. And, you know, if we take McNulty and, and Ash at their, at, at their word, they think that he's uh, cut down on his turnovers, his mistakes, you know, throughout the offseason. You know, could Sikowski be the guy who's more the game manager or is McLean Carter more, you know, an older guy? Could he be the game manager? But either way, I don't think John McNulty's looking for, like you said, Mike, uh, uh, Michael Vick. You know, a, you know, a guy yep. who's going to throw for 4,000 yards. In an ideal world, I think he signed up for 2,200 um, and, you know, 12 touchdowns and maybe eight interceptions in an ideal world, maybe a little bit more touchdowns. Exactly. I think that's the other kind of, like, thing that's kind of hard to quantify right now is going into training camp, I thought McLean Carter had to be sensational and Art had to bomb in order for him to pass Art. Now my question is, if Art is steady and, and, and consistent and this kind of, you know, game manager level, you know, like he cuts down the turnovers, but he doesn't do anything spectacular. And McLean Carter does really well. Like, does the tie still go to Art? You know, does the, does the, does the neutral, neutral stand still go to Art? That's, I think, something we're going to have to learn in the next couple of weeks to next week to 10 days. All, you know, when we get to that point where Ash is about to make his announcement. All along, I thought, uh, again, back when I was thinking – Sikowski 80% and now I'm even at 55% so I still think it'll be art on you know, you know to start UMass uh, you know, until I see different but that being said 
I think he gets two two games. I think you know UMass. Everyone expects them to win. Everyone expects the offense to look good. The following week is at Iowa. You know if he you know you know has a terrible game against Iowa. You know a you know a, a so-so game against UMass. Does that uh, give the coaching staff? Does that give them pause? And maybe with two weeks to prepare. Remember they have a bye in between Iowa and Boston College. You know, a pivotal uh, week four matchup, maybe the biggest game in, in the Chris Ash era where you're not, you can't, you just can't afford to fool around. Does that make them think maybe we have two weeks to prepare uh, McLean Carter for the starting role? All along, I, I you know, I, I've thought that it was going to be art. He gets two games. And yeah. again, I think at this point, I still am, am leaning toward art until I see different, but who knows? You know, uh, uh, you know, at this point, anything can happen. It's the first time. We've seen all summer, you know, an inkling, you know, of, of, of a quarterback competition. There is no maybe. That Boston College game is the <laughs> biggest game of Chris Ash era. It, it, is, it is the fork in the road for the season. It is the fork in the road, in my opinion, for his tenure. So what way are they going to go? Because if they, you know, even if they lose to Iowa, like, I'm just going to assume they're going to beat UMass. Even if they lose to Iowa, if they come home and they beat BC, you're two and one. You're probably yes. You're going to be two and two because you're going to go to Michigan the next week. But still, when they come back for that Maryland game, I think October fifth, you're going to have people in the stands. You're going to have excitement. You're going to have buzz. That Boston College game is first off, it'd be a signature win, which is what Pat Hobbs told us in Chicago. He wants the team to have this year. He, he specifically mentioned, you know, Pico went out and beat Ohio State. He went and went out at Iowa, like. Pat Hobbs wants to see the football program have those sort of wins, those signature victories. It'd be one of those, be Ash's biggest win at Rutgers, and I think it would be you know, big recruiting win. Obviously, BC recruits the state pretty well, and I think it would, it would generate a level of excitement that, you know, beating, you know, like Indiana wouldn't necessarily generate. You know, it would create a, a buzz that it would make people optimistic that the season – could have a positive ending that maybe a bowl game could happen. You know, they can be competitive down the stretch. I think it would get, it would start to bring people back, who maybe have drifted away from the program. But if you lose to BC, you're one and two looking at one and three in the face. And then I think you're coming home to a, to a, a then that the next biggest game is that Maryland game. Because I think if, if, if you go fall to one and four, the wheels are kind of off the wagon there. And, it doesn't look like it's going to have any chance to really turn around. So that BC game, I don't think there's any maybe about it. I think that's the biggest game Chris Ash will ever coach at Rutgers, uh, at least for now. Yep, agreed. Um, a few other football things, uh, just from the scrimmage, you really get the the, the feeling that um, the starting eleven on both sides is is pretty close to set, um, yes. with, with a few positions, uh, uh, one being the the strong safety spot, or you know one of the safety spots, and. You know, we it was interesting. We saw Malik Dixon and 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 Christian Izian uh, both splitting reps. You know, at, at at that spot all along. I think we might have mentioned this on on a podcast earlier during the off season that you know Malik Dixon is a guy who the coaching staff clearly thinks has has the 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 talent to maybe potentially play on Sundays at some point. Not a not a lot of guys on the defense you can say the same thing about at least at this point. There's a lot of talent there. Clearly, the guy. You know, had had some legal issues. He was one of the eight guys who who uh, was involved in the credit card fraud um, scheme a year ago. Um, he was uh, allowed back to the program uh, in uh, before spring camp on a probationary uh, basis. Uh, he's clearly uh, passed that hurdle. He's still with the team. 
Uh, we talk, I, I talked to him today. You talked to him as well for uh, for a few minutes. I thought he was good. He was clearly prepared uh, by, by, by the Rutgers media relations staff, which is, you know, normal. Uh, so he said, you know, said all the right things. Um, but, yeah, I think that that will be one of those uh, storylines for the rest of – if fans are looking for non-quarterback storylines, you know, the, you know that, that safety spot, you know, is, is an intriguing one. Um, along the defensive line, I think they're going to do a lot of different things to kind of compensate for, you know, the lack of size. I think they're going to, you know, Chris Ashton's already said, Andy Boo uh, said, they're running a 3-4. So that means three interior defensive linemen and then four linebackers. And then even Noah Joseph said today, it's going to be the best 11. So if that means five linebackers on the field, at, at, you know, at the same time, so be it. So um, I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of uh, position um, mo- uh, movement, you know, on the depth chart uh, the rest of the way. Um, what do you think? I mean, what are some of the storylines you'll be watching the rest of camp? I mean, I just want to see how this wide receiver group shakes out because, you know, even for all the young guys, you know, I know he's dinged up at Stanley King, Isaiah Washington, Jalen Jordan, um, Davon Robinson, you know, they're still kind of, you know, Shmeen Jones, Bo Melton, Mo Jabby, Eddie Lewis. Like, we're still seeing that same group running out there with the first team. And look, maybe those guys are all about to make big leaps. I, I certainly think Eddie Lewis is, I would say, if I looked at that four I just mentioned, I would say he's going to have the best season of the bunch because I think he's been, you know, one of the better wideouts in camp so far. But just, you know, we talk about the quarterback all the time and the offensive line, but like, we still are seeing a lot of drops when we're at practice. And we're not at practice for a long time. So the fact that we're saying we're seeing a lot of drops at practice when we're there, um, that's got to concern you, especially with this is a team that really struggled to drop the ball uh, last year. Um, and I look, you look at back at some of those moments from last season, you know, they, Rutgers was moving the ball in some games and had a chance to maybe, you know, score a touchdown, you know, get, get, get into a game, stay in a game. And the wide receivers could not hold on to the ball. So that's a big concern for me. Um, also, their tight end depth is pretty scary right now. You know, Kyle Peniston is out with injury. Jonathan Lewis is out with an injury. You know, Matt Alimo is a guy who obviously a lot of potential, a lot of promise, but he hasn't played in a college game yet. And then it, it's a bunch of walk-ons. Yep. You know, and yeah, like some of these guys like Brandon Myers, Cooper Heisey, you know, Jonathan Pimentel, they, they, you know, they flash, you know, they, they, they could be contributors here someday, but they're young and, and they're, and, you know, and they're walk-ons. They don't have much experience. So I just, I look at that tight end group and I know I've been talking about for months that, you know, are they going to be able to block effectively? Are they going to be able to help in pass protection, help in the run game? But Brookers just does not have a lot of bodies there, healthy bodies there right now. But they don't have anybody who's played the college game, I believe there right now that's healthy so that's a major concern oh for sure and uh yeah i mean i i think that the offensive line you kind of touched on it before they were you know not good in the scrimmage i think that's obviously going to be one of those issues chris ash has said i think we know who the starting five are going to be um we're talking about raekwon o'neill a left tackle we're talking about vineski at a left guard myetti at center uh crimin at at right guard and then kamal seymour at, at right tackle um you know, it's probably going to be another area where if they really struggle first two weeks, you know, particularly at Iowa, you know, a, a legitimate Big Ten defensive line, then maybe you see some changes. But at this point, the rest of the summer, I think we know who the starting five will be. Okay. So we're not going to go super long today because obviously we, we, 
No true and false, because we don't have our captain, Politi, here. But we are going to answer some of your questions to our tech service, Rucker Sports Insider. And if you've signed up, thank you so much. If you haven't, we have a promo code, podcast. Not going to spell podcast out again letter by letter. I think you guys got it figured out. That'll give you 50% off your first month subscription, Rucker Sports Insider, our new kind of text program that – we're very thankful. People have really responded to it well. So we're really excited. Um, the minute we got out of practice today, Sarge, we sprinted to our cars, and we fired off a text to tell the world that Clay Carter had gotten first-team reps. So uh, that's where we go. I mean, you are one. You are the first to know if you are subscribed to our system. So I'll just run through these questions real quick. Um, first one, we'll hit on the quarterback. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the pod regarding what starting Carter would mean. Is it Chris Ash admitting that he basically threw 2018 to get part experience for nothing? Does it signal Ash knows he needs significant improvement now and he has a number of wins in mind? And the third part of the question, what are the t- what's the team's ceiling with Carter versus Art from a wins perspective? Uh, those are three great questions yes. uh, to, uh, to themselves. I'll try to uh, knock, them, knock them off. Yes. Um, I think what it signals is you know, self-preservation. Um, everyone knows, I mean, he's not naive to the, to, to the fact that it's year four and, you know, and that, you know, whether, you know, he has an AD who clearly, you know, doesn't want to uh, make a change and supports him. That being said, you know, there is a, a certain, you know, expectation at this point that he, they're going to need to have uh, show significant improvement. And what, what it means is self-preservation. I, they, they, you know, if he had the luxury, what we saw last year is he went with a freshman quarterback. Remember all the talk last year going, coming out of, uh, you know, after that decision was Rutgers needs to, to, to develop a quarterback. For them to have any chance going forward, they need to develop a quarterback. That's not what it's about now. Now it's about winning games, show, showing significant improvement. So I think it's self-preservation. Um, and, you know, but that's not a negative or anything. I just think that, you know, that's what it shows. The ceiling with McLean Carter is probably a little bit too early to tell. Um, look, the, the guy obviously uh, was um, – Handed the starting job, um, you know, at a program that has a prolific offense year in, year out, you know, that has a coach who's now, you know, a head coach in the NFL, you know, who clearly uh, know, uh, knew what he was doing. Um, so it is intriguing to think about the possibility that, you know, that Rutgers could ha- have a guy like that. But, you know, last I checked, John McNulty's not running an air, air raid offense. He's, he's no. going to run which is actually, uh, you know, more news that we, we haven't touched on since last week. He's going to run a spread, you know, probably a little bit more conservative spread than you know, than the, uh, a lot of spreads go because, you know, their strength is going to be, you know, in the run game. So uh, they're not going to be throwing the ball, you know, 50 times a game unless something woefully went, went wrong. So um, a little bit too early to tell on the ceiling. And then the third uh, part of the question was, James, what was the third part? I believe – well, it was, I think you hit on everything. It was just, is he admitting he basically threw 2018 to get our experience for nothing? Um, I don't think that's the case because while I definitely think that you know developing Art was part of the rationale for starting him, I mean, you know, Ash, they thought Art was better than Geo. Like that's just the bottom line. I know it's some fans don't like, agree with that or don't see how they came to that conclusion, but that's the truth. They they thought Art was better. And that's why they, they went for him for the first 11 games. Obviously, they kind of capitulated at the end of the season um, after the bad game against Penn State. Um, I, look, I think, I think you're right. Like, when, when Ash was put on the, uh, the CBS Sports hot list, a hot seat list last year, and, you know, Pat Hobbs sent the tweet. He wasn't like, really on the hot seat. 
he wasn't, wasn't really on the hot seat. He is on the hot seat now. Yeah. Like, it, like that hot seat talk, you know, Yahoo, AP, everyone, like, that's legitimate hot seat talk. Like, this is a pivotal year for him. Um, in terms of ceiling with, with Carter versus Art, I mean, I don't really – I don't – I think it's too early to tell. You're right. But, but what I look at it is if you look at last year's games – the games that Ruck, with the exception of the Maryland game, where, where obviously Art they had a, they were abysmal. You know, I think Art threw five picks that game. The games that you would have said like were toss ups for Rutgers, like uh, well, obviously Art didn't play against Michigan, but like Illinois, Indiana, even Buffalo for that matter. Like Art didn't have game wrecking performances. Um, you know, I would say Maryland and Kansas were the two where he really that was a massive part of the defeat. But, you know, Art was pretty solid, you know, Northwestern even. So I don't really know. It's not like you can look at all of Rutgers' losses and games they should have been competitive in last year and say that the defeat was a direct result of Art, you know, having a a abysmal day. Um, So I don't know how big of the – how much it changes the ceiling just because I think this team has so many more issues beyond quarterback. And the biggest issue they have, in my opinion, is the offensive line, which directly impacts how the quarterback can – Agreed. So, uh, yeah, so I would say it's a little early. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, like we'll make our final predictions right before the season starts, but I, I don't see a bowl team. Um, and I, I don't see a team that's going to get to five wins either. Uh, two, two to four. I mean, I'd say it's in that range. I haven't decided where I'm going to land, but I, I don't, I don't think that it's not like McLean Carter makes this a seven win team just by his presence. I, I don't think we know enough about the guy. I mean, um, remember, McLean Carter hasn't played much in his college career. Art has played significantly more snaps than him in college. So um, that's just one thing you got to keep in mind. All right, second question. Let me scroll up here. Um, do you get the sense there's a different vibe with this year's team? More cohesiveness, less friction. And perhaps that's because the team was more split last year between flood guys and ash guys. Putting talent aside, just attitude and belief in each other. Yes, uh, totally. And I'll, I'll, I'll give Ash a lot, a lot of credit, you know, in this area yes. because he did name captains, you know, at, at the end of the spring camp, which is the first time that he had ever done it. First time I could remember any Rutgers coach doing it in a long, long time. And he did the part of the reason why was to, to develop that, that culture and that chemistry and have four guys and, and, you know, who he knew could rally the guys, four guys who are, you know, clearly, you know, are, are, have been uh, have emerged as pretty good leaders so far. I think they've instilled the culture of embracing, maybe not embracing, but like not shying away from one and eleven, and and understanding that you know it is what it is. The, the, one of the key uh, phrases we've heard all, all you know all summer long is one percent improvement. You know, whatever that means. I don't know if there's enough percentage you know between now and, and you know and. and you know, week four against Michigan to, to, to really help, you know, uh, win that game. But um, I just think talking, I talked to Damon Hayes for, for almost 10 minutes today and you just sense it, you know, there's a lot more confidence. I think, you know, some of the new coaches, the coaching changes have helped. You just see, a, you know, a, a different vibe in training camp right now. No, I agree. Um, I will say this though. I think culture and cohesiveness, obviously they've done a lot of those team building exercise, Navy SEALs, uh, State police barracks down Seagirt. That's always a narrative for me where we either talk about that when they're at the bowl game 
or we don't really think about it because you know they they didn't win a bunch of games. I think that's something that is important, obviously, but you don't really feel that real full impact until they actually get over the hump, and then it becomes kind of an important thing for a season. That's just me, but I do agree that there seems to be a little more cohesiveness uh, this year, and that's a credit to Ash. I mean, give it Chris Ash this. Like he has evolved in a lot of ways. Um, I wish he'd evolve a little bit more on media access and opening things up to the fan base, but uh, he has he has evolved and, and made changes in a lot of things that he's done since he first got the job. He has he has made an effort, um, I think, clearly to try to shake things up and fix things when things seem awry. All right, uh, well, let's, let me just look right here. Let me just refresh our Rutgers Sports Insider page very quickly to make sure I'm not missing anything. Okay, so last two questions. Back to the offense. Uh, we'll spreading the offense out, as it appears we are this season, as you mentioned, Sarge. Hide some of the offensive line deficiencies. And in a perfect world, wouldn't starting Carter make more sense with a deficient O-line since he is the better scrambler, give or take, and played in a Power 5 spread system? This would give Art a redshirt year to grow and let the game slow down further for him. Yeah, I again, I, I, I don't know... I think the whole uh, notion that, that Carter is more fleet-footed or more of a dual threat, I, I, I can't say that right now because, you know, the proof, you know, is not from – you haven't seen that from his junior college experience or, or certainly nothing at, at Texas Tech. I can't say that he's, uh, you know, a better athlete or, or more fleet-footed. Remember, Arsikowski ran – at Oldbridge High School ran a spread system, you know. Remember remember that, that it's not like he, he didn't uh, run, have experience in the spread. That being said, the first part of the question, does it make up for the the uh, deficiencies, you know, on the offensive line? It could. I, you know, I talked to Jerry DiNardo about it. I think he thinks, uh, you know, it will. I think that he thinks that, you know, the scheme, you know, can, can make up for it. You know, I'll trust, take him at his word when, when, when he says that. I think he's very high, um, and you saw that from the uh, Big Ten Network segment. He's very high in what uh, Rosamondo has, has been doing. Um, I think that um, it can only help because, you know, uh, you know, John McNulty has, has said uh, a few times that they were handcuffed in, you know, in a lot of what, what he wanted to do playbook wise by, by, you know, uh, the inability of the offensive line to really uh, protect for the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, my thing with that is if they were going to throw a lot of quick passes, I would say yes. But from what we've seen so far and granted, we haven't seen everything. I do think you'll see some quick passes, you know, to guys like Eddie Lewis in space, Raheem Blackshear. But it also seems like we've seen a lot of intermediate routes, and they still want to throw the ball down the field. So in that sense, I don't know how much it can impact. Another thing, quick thing I'll say about the, the scrambling, you know, factor. Art's a guy who, tend, for better or worse, he tends to stay in the pocket. You know, he'll take a hit, you know, to try to deliver the ball, maybe sometimes to his detriment. Where McCarter, with Carter, we haven't seen him, but I remember last year there were some games when Gio would go in where you know Gio would take off pretty quickly. And that obviously, sometimes I think if guys take off quicker than others, that gets perceived as, a, as a, they're better scramblers or they're more fleet of foot. So I think we still have to wait and see on that. Like, is Carter a guy who's going to hang in there and only take off when everything completely breaks down? Because so I think we've seen with Art in the past, he is a guy who tries to stand in there and find something before he takes off. Correct. Okay. Um, 
that's it for our questions. Rucker Sports Insider, thank you to everyone who sent one in. Uh, thank you to everyone who subscribed. If you haven't subscribed yet and you're interested, promo code podcast. If you listen to this podcast, you can get the first month half off new subscription system. Uh, having a lot of success, and this is going to, it's not just football. We're dro- I dropped wrestling news today. We've had other sports, hoops, obviously, everything else you can think of, everything Rucker Sports. Uh, all day, um, not all, not all day, but you know, within you know reasonable hours. We're not going to wake you up at two in the morning, but uh, this it, it's been a lot of fun. You get me, you get Sarge, you get Politi, you get Todrick, everything. So, Rutgers Sports Insider promo code podcast. We're interested, uh, Sarge. I think that's it. Our that's first it. two man show together. I, I think uh, Politi might be Wally Pip. I think you've done such a good job, uh, you know, hosting in the that. very beginning. I think that. You know, Politi Who is, is going to be the, the, the hashtag that going forward on social media. It's been a while since I introed a, uh, a podcast. Well, you know, you, 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 you did a yeah, great I job. I was here the last time I introed a podcast. It's been a while. So, um, all right, that's it for us. We'll stop blabbering let you get back to your day. Thank you, as always, for listening. Rutgers Ran Podcast. He's Keith Sargent. I'm James Cratch. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week. And I promise you guys, Steve Politi will be back. True and False will be back. And we'll talk about, I guess, the latest in this quarterback competition that it seems we have. I know, Sarge, it's 150th year of Rutgers football. We could not have that without a quarterback controversy. It's 150th year of a quarterback competition. Anyone else. I don't don't know. I think I don't think they had the one like Teal senior year. I don't think they had one. Yeah, every other year. But, you know, even in Paul Robeson days, I think there was a quarterback competition. That's true. All right. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time.